Welcome, everybody. We are going to be in John chapter 1. If you're new here, uh, just tell you a little bit about what we do here at Midtown. We don't believe that this is a show or that I'm about to perform for you. We really believe that the Lord is working here and that he loves to use his word. So we're in this every week. So if you don't have a Bible, we have plenty of them in the window seals. Take one, make it your own, bring it with you. If you forget it, you can always grab one. If you have a phone and you have an app and you want to use that, John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 43, but let me ask you a question first. Do you ever think, or have you ever experienced church to be boring? (laughs) David Powell, constant encouragement. I love it. Or do you ever feel like that your faith seems to kind of drag and you're like, I just, you know, man, I just don't know what's happening. I'm just, just Jesus and I, we're just not, you know, gelling like we did last summer when we were on that mission trip or that your relationship with God seems to do this kind of thing. And that even you come to church and church is just kind of. So I have a cure for you today. And I guarantee you that this works, that if you are ready to, uh, to change church from being a boring place to a place that's really kind of scary to your own faith with the Lord, it's one simple thing, give it away. Because in the, in the economy of God's kingdom, trust me, like if you're bored, why don't you go take a bunch of your money and give it away? You think that won't get your heart rate up? Like, you don't think that's going to challenge you about what you trust? Or give everything the Lord has given you. The Lord says, I bless you so that you can bless. What happens in the church is we become this reservoir. Because in America, we've learned when you get more, you get more. And when you get more, you keep more so you can get more. And we collect, 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 collect. We hoard, we hoard, we hoard. And we become like those shows, you know, we're hoarders. And, you know, we can't even get our bedrooms because everything's stacked up because we got it all. And the kingdom of God is saying that's the the formula for disaster because we are not a reservoir. We're not a cul-de-sac. We are a flowing river that the body of Christ, you, if you know Christ, let me tell you how Christ describes you. The, The river of God is flowing into you so the river of God can flow out of you. And when we dam up that river, church becomes boring. It's just collecting more stuff. I got plenty of stuff. I've heard that sermon before. I've already read that passage of scripture. There's no new revelation God can give me. But if I realize, no, I'm receiving because then it's got to flow out of me. My whole perspective of it changes. You don't believe me? Okay, let's test it. So, Courtney, are you going to read for me this morning? She is going to read the entire Bible, all right? (laughs) Then y'all will recite it back to me. No, she's in uh, John chapter 1, starting in verse 43, correct? And... um, Yeah, this is a crazy story, and I'm about to interrupt you, but go ahead and start. Okay. Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Okay, so what's going on? It's building. It's a story in a story, and what Jesus is doing, he's starting his ministry, and he's going throughout Galilee, and he's collecting disciples, okay? And he's grabbing these guys, you know? He got Andrew and Peter and Simon, you know, Simon Peter and All these guys together, and now we're about to read another story of Jesus collecting disciples. And what we're going to do with this passage of Scripture is we're going to bring curiosity to it and go, what does this tell us about Jesus, and what does it tell us about us? Yep. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, 
was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip, Van, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thank you so much. Trust me, there was nobody in this room more engaged prior to reading than Courtney, all right? Because she's getting ready to give it away. And that's what we're going to talk about because this story, Jesus comes to Philip and he says, follow me. It's an edited, I'm sure there are more details of that. Philip says, great. But first, I got to go get my friend. And he goes to his friend, Nathaniel, and he goes, Nathaniel, you're not going to believe this. We found the one that Moses wrote about. You know, that one that we studied in temple when we were growing up, the Messiah that's coming, the one that all the prophets talk about. We found him. You need to come and meet him. And Nathaniel goes, that's so exciting. Where is he from? And he goes, Nazareth. And <laughs> Nathaniel goes, seriously, dude, where is he from? <laughs> Nazareth. He goes, there's nothing good that comes from there. We know that. And he says, come on, man, you got to come. So they go, and when he walks in the door, Jesus goes, Doop, righteous dude, righteous dude, just walked through the door. And Nathaniel goes, you don't know me. You don't know nothing about me. Anyway, and move Jesus to the left, and then, wow, y'all are, I'm working way too hard for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm personally going to ask you to forgive me for that bad joke, all right? So then he says, no, Nathaniel, I saw you before Peter came to you and you were under a fig tree. And Nathaniel goes, truly, you are the son of God. And Jesus responds, that's all it took? Seriously, I only had to say, I saw you under a fig tree and you believe I'm the son of God? Hang on, because if that blew your mind, I'm about to cook your noodles. Because I want, I want you to come and follow me, and you're, you're going to see me raise people from the dead. You're going to see me walk on water. You're going to see me heal the sick. You're going to see me rise from the dead. That ain't nothing. So what's going on here? Like, it's kind of, you know, when you, when you look at this, you're kind of like, wait, Jesus could see Nathaniel before when he was sitting under a fig tree? Like, Jesus had that power to kind of see somewhere where he wasn't? Like, is this a, like, what's going on here? We <laughs> took my daughter to House of Cards. When did we go? That was two, this last birthday. Yeah. Okay, we went to House of Cards. And it's fun because you go and, you know, they serve you meals and there are people running around doing magic, you know, and it'll freak you out. And then you go into the theater and they have a show in the theater and their main line, you know, there are magicians up there doing tricks and our guy came in and he had this huge notepad and he pointed to the person on the front row and he goes, um, I want you to think of something. Like it can be an object, it can be a place. I want, 
Whatever you want to think about, I want you to think about it. And the guy starts thinking. And the guy goes, okay, I'm going to draw something. He goes, I'm, I'm getting something round. And, and he begins to draw something round. And the guy on the front row, is, his eyes are getting big. And then he says, and I'm seeing smaller round things. And he's, he draws three little small rings inside the big ring. And he looks at him and he says, you're thinking about a bowling ball. And the guy goes, yes, I was. And the guy said, okay. And he started shaking the pad, shaking the pad, and out of the pad fell a real bowling ball. And I fell on my knees and said, Messiah! <laughs> son of God! Oh, son of man, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> no, I didn't. It was a trick. Like, I don't know how he did it. Like, if he got up here and said, this is how you do the trick, we'd all go, oh, that's silly. You know, there's a trick to it. And when we come to these kind of passages of Scripture, sometimes we just skip over them like that's a Jesus trick. And I want us to dive deeper into it. And let's ask what's really going on here. Because when Jesus says to Nathaniel, I saw you before you saw me, you know what he's saying to Nathaniel? And this is going to blow your, your mind, Nathaniel. Your whole life, you've been waiting for the Messiah to where Philip, when he came to you and said, he's here, you put on your sandals and said, let's go. You thought your whole life you were looking for me. But in reality, Nathaniel, my whole life, your whole life, I've been looking for you. And here's what should blow our minds. Why are you here this morning? Why are, literally, why are you here this morning when you think about it in your mind? What got you here? What if you think, ah, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm in pursuit of God. What if in reality, God is in pursuit of you? What if your life is a reflection of his pursuit of you rather than your pursuit of him? Let me read you a passage. This is out of Ephesians chapter 1. This starts in verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul that's writing this. And he said, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You, if you're taking notes, you should write that because we're going to come back to it. Jesus has blessed us with every, how many? Every spiritual blessing that is found in Christ is ours. If you're in Christ, every blessing that God possibly has through his son Jesus Christ for the church is yours. Every one of them. How many? Every one of them. To who? All of us. So kind of put that on the shelf and hold on to it. That's a big deal. But look at verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. Let me tell you what this passage is saying, and then we can talk about, do we really believe that? That God, before the creation of the world, before the creation of the world, he did this thing called predestined. Now, the word predestined is actually two words. It's a prefix on a word. It's pre, beforehand, and destination. In other words, what it's saying is it was predetermined the destination of where you're going. Now, when you go on vacation, you know, and you're booking an airline ticket, the first thing they ask you is, where are you going? What's your destination? 
And so you tell them your destination and you book it. What this is talking about is that when we die, there are two destinations. Scripture talks a lot about this. There is heaven and there's hell. Now, however you understand hell, or however concept of hell that you understand, which is a great conversation, the least that we can say is hell is separation from God. It's a separation from the blessings that are found in Christ. Okay? And heaven is living in all of eternity in every blessing that is to us from God through Christ. And it says here that there are those that he has predestined, that he has chosen before you were even born, before even the world was created, that he was going to come looking for you. To do what? To save you. So one of my professors in seminary, he was this animated guy named R.C. Sproul. And y'all know him. He had the best hair in the world. I'm telling you, he did, you know. But he would, he was just, he would always talk like this, you know, and his hands were always going through his hair. And he, I know it's funny, but he would say many times we think that humanity is adrift on the ocean of sin in life and that Jesus is coming in the birth of salvation. And yeah, I don't know what that was. And Jesus is pointing out and he's saying, if you'll just reach out your hand to me, I'll pull you onto the boat of salvation. And so God is calling and we are listening. And if we will just respond with, yes, Jesus, then Jesus will rescue us. And R.C. would say, Dr. Sproul, he would say, but scripture paints a very different picture. Scripture says that we are dead in our sins. In other words, we're not floating on the ocean of sin. We're at the bottom of the ocean of sin. That we don't have breath. We have no breath at all. We have died in our sins. That there is nothing inside of me that has any goodness that would pursue after God. In fact, I've turned away from God, and Scripture calls me an enemy of the cross, an enemy of God. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us, which means that us laying on the bottom of the ocean— Jesus came off the boat of his salvation, dove into that ocean, came to the bottom, picked up my spiritual corpse, dragged me to the top of the boat, laid me on the boat, breathed his life in me, and brought me to life. Now, you may say, um, wow, I got a lot of questions about that. How does providence and sovereignty and God's choice how does that all get together? You put that in a blender. How do you drink that smoothie? And then let's talk about this. How about free will? Do you have free will? Well, yes, you do. And no, you don't. Like, that's a whole other topic. And we can talk about that. And our purpose today is not for me to try to convince you in predestination. I can help you go on that journey of wrestling with it like I had to do. And I hope you do. In fact, the Holy Spirit loves it when you're curious. He loves it. Scripture says, seek and you shall find. And so if you want to seek, boy, man, I'm all in. Here's all I want, I want you to hear this. This is what we're drawing from this. Something very simple. God chooses because God loves. If we go to the Old Testament, we see it everywhere. In, even in the nation of Israel, in Deuteronomy 7, it says that the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were most numerous than other people's. For you were the fewest of all people, but it was because the Lord loved you. The Lord chose you, Israel, because he loved you. He set his affection on you. He's the one that made the choice. 
And you can't read the Old Testament without seeing it everywhere. Abraham didn't choose God. God chose Abraham. Moses didn't choose God. God chose Moses. In fact, God chose Moses to such a degree that Moses said, please go choose somebody else. I don't want to have anything to do with Egypt. Please, God, don't send me back to that place. David, I mean, Solomon, I mean, just go through the whole Old Testament. But it's also true about the New Testament. Look at John 15. This is verse 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples, which includes Nathaniel and Philip. And he said, hey, guys, you did not choose me. I don't think he could be more clear. But I chose you. Now, if we go back to the original language, let me translate that for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. In other words, he says, hey, guys, I chose you. And I chose you to set my affection and appoint you with power. Why? To give it away. I didn't choose you because you bore fruit. You bore fruit because I chose you. And your life became this dynamic adventure because as I poured into you, you let it pour out of you. And you began to experience life to the full. But that's not what I'm curious about. <clears throat> okay? And let's take a few minutes and go to where I'm really curious in this text. Because if God is that powerful, if God is moving that tremendously, if God has set his affection on us before the creation of the world, I want to know, why did God use Philip? Philip went and got Nathaniel. Why did God do that? <clears throat> why didn't Jesus do some miraculous thing like appear to Philip underneath the fig tree? Like floating. Nathaniel, <laughs> here I am. Like, I'll tell you that as I've thought about the way I came to faith, there are a lot of ways I think I would have preferred to have come to faith in the way I came to faith. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the fireworks show at the uh, 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And in the middle of that fireworks show, uh, like right in the middle of it, this giant globe appeared in the sky. Have y'all seen this? And it's rotating and then it's gone. And then the words Tokyo 2020 like appeared in the sky like it was a giant screen that somebody was projecting onto. And then that's gone. Then emojis popped up and then words popped up and all like what is happening? What was happening was 2000 drones that were in the sky that all had lights on them were perfectly sequenced as they're flying together. And when the lights came on, they would make images in the sky, perfect images in the sky. Unbelievable. Go check it out. You'll waste your whole afternoon on YouTube looking at that stuff. I think I would have liked that one. <clears throat> I'm in Colorado, Young Life Camp, you know, and all of a sudden in the sky, Randy, it's me. <laughs> I, that would have been cool. Or angels. I would have loved angels. Like angels, that would have been remarkable. Or like a, like a waking dream. Have you ever had one of those? Okay, I haven't either. But that would be fantastic. Like you're seeing stuff or something supernatural. Not the goober that led me to the Lord. I mean, honestly, the guy that led me to the Lord was the guy that was cleaning the toilet in the cabin I was staying in. That seems so less glorious. But let me give you some information 
that may blow your mind. God's, God's method for bringing life-changing good news of Jesus Christ to this world is you. I know, I would drop stuff too. <laughs> Why? Come on, I mean, this is, remember what we're talking about is if you're bored in your religion, just start giving some of it away. Get ready. If you don't have a prayer life, start giving stuff away and see how much you pray. If you don't have any interest in this, start giving stuff away. And then you'll start wondering, what's this stuff really have to say? Why is God doing that? And I'm just going to give you a couple of reasons, and then we're going to close in prayer. First is, is remember why Jesus chose you and he's coming after you. If you don't believe in predestination, believe in this. God's affection and his love for you is moving towards you. He is hunting you down. He is pursuing you in love. And if he is pursuing you in love, what is it like when he catches you? Does he stop loving you? Not at all. In fact, his love then, if he was that way toward us when we were enemies of the cross, how much more are the promises of Christ true for us now that we're in the family? And one of the most powerful things God knows is when we start to give away this beautiful message of Jesus Christ, it awakens us to something. And you know what it awakens us to? Who we are, which is the love of our Father. Like any father wants their child to become who they truly are. I was with a friend yesterday in his studio, and this guy's like, he's cooler than cool. I mean, it's just sick how cool he is, you know? And we're in his studio, and above the door, it has this piece of wood and painted on it is, uh, have the courage to be yourself. And I was joking with him. I said, you know, you really ought to cross-stitch that up there. And I was joking because I said, it's such a cheesy thing to have in your studio, you know? And he's like, it seems cheesy, but in reality, it's the greatest battle when we come in here. I said, talk to me. And he goes, well, artists, they're, they're insecure people uh, because they're like the rest of us. And when they come in, it's hard for them to truly be themselves and for their art to be a reflection of the uniqueness of the way that they're made. And he says, my job to bring that out of them. And he says, because I love their art. Now, let me ask you this. What if that was God's agenda with you? You know, Scripture says that when we become believers, it says we are the light of the world. Do you believe that? Scripture calls you salt. Salt. To season the world, to preserve the world, to bring life to the world. Do you believe that? It's crazy because we forget that kind of stuff. A couple of years ago, I was in Hillsborough Village with a Midtowner who, he didn't grow up going to church, but he started coming here and he got into a small group and started to hear the story of Christ and he became a believer. He said, I confess that the Lord is the Lord and God changed his life. And we're sitting over there eating breakfast once morning and we're sitting outside and the traffic's flying by in Hillsborough Village. And he goes, man, I, I don't know. I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. He says, it's changed my life forever. He said, man, my whole perspective, he says, I, I feel forgiven. I, I feel free. He said, I can actually sleep at night. Like, things have radically changed in my life. And he goes, what's crazy is the people around me, I just want to tell them about what's going on with me because it's just set my life on fire. And he leaned in and he whispered and he goes, does everybody that comes to church know this? 
said, yeah. Yeah. Because it's normal. What's not normal is when we get stuck and we stop giving it away. Like in John chapter 1, it says the first thing Andrew did after he came to know Jesus was to go find his brother Simon. The first thing he did. As soon as he got it, he had to give it away. And he said, we have found the, the, the Messiah. He understood from the very beginning that for me to hold on to this, it's going to consume me and destroy me. But if it becomes a river through me, then it's going to give me life. And it's actually going to allow me to see. There's another story in scripture about this guy who's demon-possessed. And he's living in a graveyard. And he's cutting himself and howling at the moon at night. I mean, he is out of control. <clears throat> this is not somebody you invite to your Christmas party. And Jesus comes rolling in and rescues this guy and casts out all these demons. You can go read it. But after he had this dramatic conversion, like, and he really, it says he was restored to his right mind, which is us as Christ followers believe what happens when Christ comes into our lives. It restores us to our right mind because we are spiritual beings. And he comes and he makes us spiritually alive. Listen to what it says. As Jesus was getting in the boat to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus said, now, I want you to go home. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Decapolis. Where is Decapolis? Well, actually, Decapolis is not a city. Decapolis is actually a region with 10 cities. This guy, Jesus sent him, go tell people. And because of what Christ had done for him, this guy brought a, a revival through 10 different cities because he went in and said, I don't know, but I was not, and now I am. See, God is the great liberator. But in God's infinite wisdom, he loves to use us because in using us, he sets us free. And he awakens us. In Romans chapter 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For if with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. And as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between Jew and and Gentile, the same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's laying it out right there. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Jesus and Lord of Lords, and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. That's when the Spirit comes and awakens us. But listen to the next sentence. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And here's God's plan. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, in Philemon 1.6, it says, Always be ready to share your faith so that you will know all that you have in Christ. See, God is saying giving it away, not because God couldn't go out and save the world with 2,000 drones. God wants to use you because he loves you. So this was about 10 years ago, uh, a group of artists that came to Midtown. Many are still here. We put together a band and decided to start going to some of the prisons 
uh, around Nashville and doing concerts. Um, and the band would play, and they were good, man. They would just shred it, tear it up, whatever you want to call it. I'm from the 70s, what can you say? And, <clears throat> you know, long hair. Anyway, uh, and then I would get up and preach. And this was remarkable and scary because we were going where none of us had been before. This was not our place. And, uh, and so we were going in and just by faith going, Lord, what are you doing? We're just going to give it away, and we're, it's up to you. We can't save anybody. That's your work. We're, we've just been called to give it. Well, one of my buddies, who some of you guys know, um, he came to faith in prison. He's a little bit older than me, and he's lived over in East Nashville before anybody wanted to live in East Nashville. So he's been there like 30 years. And uh, he's had a ministry where he repairs bikes, and he gives it to the kids in the neighborhood, and he just shares the gospel with people. And Wayne and I were talking, and I said, hey, Wayne, we're going to this prison this week. And he said, can I go with y'all? I said, sure. If we can get you in, because he has the records. Um, so the warden said, yeah, sure, we'll let him in. And he came in. And this time, the room was full of the women from the women's ministry. So there was probably 400 women in this gymnasium and guards all around. And the band is tearing it apart, you know, and everybody's loving it. You know, they're getting into it. And it's my turn to get up and preach. Um, and I'm getting ready to get up, and Wayne grabs my arm, and I turn around, and he's crying. And I said, uh, Wayne, what's going on? And he said, I know a lot of these women. They prostitute themselves in front of my house. He said, would you please let me tell them about Jesus? And I said, no, go take your seat. That's the end of the story. Let me close this in prayer. <laughs> no, I said, sure, Wayne, go ahead. And he, he got up there, and he's still crying. And he looked at these women, and he said, some of you know me. Um, I know many of you. And I want to speak to you as a father. And he said, he looked at these women, he said, daughters, it's time to come home. And he just shared about Jesus, the redemptive, healing, forgiving, transforming power of the gospel to set people free and to make who's not into something they could never be on their own. To move people from being orphans to now members of the body of the family of Christ, this royal family where the high king of heaven calls them his beloved. And when he got through talking, he said, does anybody want this gift that Christ has for you? Every woman in the place stood up. And so he prays and they pray. And it was just one of those moments where whenever I doubt, Jesus, are you for real? I remember that moment and go, wow, bro, you just came in power. But that's not the powerful thing about the story. The powerful thing about the story is that when Wayne was coming down off the stage and I grabbed him and I wanted to encourage him, Go, Wayne, you did a great job. Wayne looked at me, and he's still crying, and he goes, Jesus loves me so much. What was going on there is Wayne was giving it away, and it was coming back on him like a tsunami. And he almost couldn't take it. And I'm saying to us, church, what Jesus is displaying for us here through Philip, he's saying, join with me. 
Come on. In Peter, it says, participate with the divine, that we may live a life that participates with the divine nature of God, that we would join with what God is doing in our city and that we would dare to love people that are curious about Jesus, even the cynical ones like Nathaniel, and go, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer all your questions, but what I can tell you is what I was and what he has done to me now. So church, as we come into this new year, here's the challenge I'm going to give you. Give it away. And I'm not even quoting Red Hot Chili Peppers, all right? <laughs> but give it away. Do. And watch what happens. It is going to scare the hell out of you. And literally, it's going to scare hell out of us. Because when we start to give it away, what's going to flood in is all the blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ. And it's not going to make your life simpler. It's going to make it more complicated. And it's not going to make you have less questions because you're going to have a ton more questions. But boy, curiosity, when we have questions and combine that with the Holy Spirit, is powerful for us. So let's jump into the journey. Let me pray for us. Father, I know that in this room... Lord, you're you are calling your kids to really understand who they are. You're daring us to stop living so small. You're daring us to stop thinking like the world thinks, that our world is about how much I can get and how much I can keep, rather than how much can I give away. That you're daring us to step into the, the values of this kingdom, that we would maybe see ourselves for the first time and encounter you on a deeper level. And I know that, Lord, um, there are people in this room right now that your Holy Spirit is working on, and I pray you protect them from trying to um, create a plan, but just give them the freedom to say yes. Just, Jesus, whatever you want to do, yes. However you want to use me, yes. Now I'm scared. Give me courage. Yes. And let us be like Wayne. Let us have stories of how you have flown through us for the good of this city. But the only story we tell is how much you love us. Let that be true of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.